This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Uh, we're lucky today because we often talk about what's happening with young people and we often talk about what's happening in universities and we don't actually know. I guess we know if we've got kids or nieces or nephews that are going to university, but I spent far too many years as a student and far too many years as a lecturer at university, but they seem, from all accounts, to be quite uh, different places. But we have a student joining us, Jack Marshall-Lee. Have I got that right, Jack? That's correct, Rodney. Yep. And you're 22 years old and you're attending university. Which university are you attending? I'm studying at Massey University in Palmerston North. Ah, oh, good for you. The original university. What are you studying there? I originally tried for pre-vet, didn't make it. I'm now doing a Bachelor of Agricultural Science. Good for you. That'll be far better than being a vet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hope. Uh, well, I can imagine being a vet. Look, I don't know. Um, struggling with people's pets, you know, and maybe I'm going to offend readers, but you know how people look at pets and they like become an addition to the family. They're like a little baby or something. And the poor yeah, vet's got, got them all on sort of life support and just about got them in an ink, incub incubator and all the rest of it. And I grew yeah. up on a farm and you just go and shoot them. Yep, same. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see, you'd a have yep. you'd have a poor young woman coming in with her aged dog who's got needs a hip replacement, and you'd say I'd shoot it, and you just you'd be in the paper. <laughs> yeah. Tell well, me, you you grew up where? Um, I was originally born in Queensland. I moved to New Zealand at age seven. Uh, you didn't come on your own, did you? No, I came with my family and I. Yeah. I've got two brothers, mum and dad. I'm the oldest of two brothers. Um, yeah. Three brothers. I've got two youngest. And we moved over to North Canterbury, Ashley. It's a little. Oh, I know, town. Ashley. I grew up in Rangura. Oh, no way. Yep. So mum and mum attended Rangura High back in the day. What was her name? Yvonne Marshall Lee. Hmm. She would be so much younger than me, your mum. <laughs> the name doesn't ring a, ring a bell, but I know Ashley well, just across the great Ashley River. Yep, yep. And she would have gone to, did she go to Rangura Borough School, Rangura High School? Yeah, Rangura High School. Yeah. There you go. And so you grew up in Ashley. What, did you have a bit of a farmlet there? Yeah, so we've got 10 acres out there. We um, rear our own beef. We have chickens. We've got fruit and veggies. Um, wow. got, yeah, pretty much everything. Small. Can you wait? Can you can you raise cattle on ten acres? Two, and ten twenty sheep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And do you butcher it, or do you send it off to be butchered? Uh, so we get it home killed. Someone comes and shoots it on the farm for us, and then we send it off to be processed. And then it comes back, and we stock the freezer up for a year, and then repeat. So you get someone to shoot it for you, and do they do the first cutting up, or do they just leave it dead in the paddock? Yeah, no, they they like field butcher it and then okay. take it. They leave all the guts and everything on farm. Dogs normally get into it, make themselves sick. <laughs> and how do you feel about eating Betsy for six months? Um, good. Got no issues with it. It's good food and keeps me fit and healthy. So does you look very fit and healthy thank you and um your mum and dad made you very practical i'm guessing because you grew everything you ate and you not only grew everything you ate you grew things that you had to see shot and butchered and turn up on your plate yeah so mum and dad are both off the land uh dad was uh Quite a big farmer in the Waikato back in the day, his dad. Um, yeah. And he was diagnosed with Crohn's late life when he was about 40 or 50. Yeah. And he was going to be given chemotherapy and have his guts cut out. And 
Mum was like, no way, did her own reading and changed his life with diet. And that's why we try and be sustainable. Wow. So if just Crohn's disease is a disease of the gut, is it? Yep. So it's a disease of the gut. Um, it can affect like your colon and stuff too. And dad was told the only way to fix it is chemotherapy or to have a bag, which is like where it bypasses the anus and it would have just ruined his life. And he said, no, going to do it myself. And what are the symptoms of Crohn's disease? Uh, so, well, it depends on how severe you are, but you'll have like guts ache, really bad mood swings, could be quite hangry, um, could pass blood out the anus, um, start getting anal fistulas, which is another whole. Okay, enough, enough. Yeah, enough. sorry, it's too much there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you sort of just sort of, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah. And so was he an older dad for you? Yeah, so he had me at 39. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he won't mind. He's about 62 now. Yeah. So he was like, he, you were like 11 or 12 and the oldest when he got this terrible illness. Yeah. And do we know what brings it on? Is it a genetic thing or environmental? Well, it depends what you believe. But uh, so he's, he reckons he had it all his life from about 30. He used to eat yeah. McDonald's every day as a young kid and just would have upset stomachs but didn't think much of it. Um, doctors will tell you it's hereditary or just, yeah, disease. But uh, Processed food and flames it, does it? Yeah. Dad believed it's all the processed food and diet that he had that brought it on. And... Yeah, And so your mum took care of him, said no, to hell with the chemotherapy, to hell with carrying a bag around instead of the normal way of going to the toilet. And you live on the land growing your food and eating like organic, sustainable food or traditional food, including fat and meat. Was it a particular diet that you followed? Like, does it have a name? Yeah, so mum found this book called The Maker's Diet. Yes. I don't fully know what it consists of, but pretty much. Exclude. I do know that book. Oh, you do? Yeah. Mm. So um, that's what he started on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's based, as I recall it, correct me if I go wrong, it's um, based on Christian teachings, but yes. it's basically a traditional diet, like a Western A. Price diet that you eat like yep. I am. Western A. Price. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Good for him. And that's how what you grew up on. And it repaired him. Yep. So he's good to go now. No chemo, no bag. Obviously, isn't he has to watch eats, but he's Isn't cooking. that yeah. amazing? It's really cool to see. And you grew up then from a young age on the Makers or the Western A Price diet. Yeah. So obviously, we um, have a bit more lenience than Dad. We yes. dive here and there. But pretty much the basics that's what we grew up with yeah good for you well i'm a big i'm a big proponent of uh traditional diet and the western a price diet and the maker's diet and my kids the oldest of whom is 12 um they have lived on it um their entire life that said as they got older certainly their first five years but as they get older like you say you have to make allowances because you don't want to get them get a thing about never having McDonald's or never having yeah. sweets or a birthday party. So, um, yeah. but we found those early years, especially critical and even compared to their peers, they seem very health healthy and fit and strong, like in a way that you wouldn't have noticed 50 years ago, but you notice now yeah. when you compare them to other kids, there's something wrong in our food supply. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, what a one. And where did you go to school? So I went to Ashley School for primary, yes, yes. which is just down the road. And I then went to St. Bede's College in Christchurch for nice. high school. Yeah. Did you enjoy high school? Yes. I didn't think I would. I wanted to go to Rangura where all my friends went. But I loved an all-male school and loved the rugby. And, yeah, it's good fun. And you're a Christian family? Yes. Are you a Catholic Christian family? No. Our granddad is Catholic. We're more just of the belief that shouldn't be contained to one denomination. 
Mm. Follow Christ and what you believe and do good. And you're 22. Did you ever doubt the word of Christ growing up? Yes. Uh, I didn't. I was wasn't forced on me. It's just something I did every day, and I always said I believed, but I hadn't found it myself yet. It was just going through the motion, and there was always mates going, "Oh, you're like you're just delusional. You don't know what you're talking about." Um, and then it wasn't until I went to sort of late years in high school and just started asking some real questions and doing my own thinking. Um, yeah, that's when I really found my own faith. How wonderful. Yeah. You 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 must find yourself standing apart from a lot of your peers. It's very different and at times very challenging. In what way? Burned a lot of relationships. Um just find me very different and we clash a lot and it sort of ended a few friendships or made some challenging because you can't discuss certain topics. It must be hard too because, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, typically, and it's expected almost nowadays, you go through this rite of passage of experimenting with alcohol, experimenting with drugs, girls, sex. And that, and your peers would find you judgmental about that. Yeah, like I say, I'm definitely not perfect. Uh, didn't lead a perfect life, but uh, no, who has? We understand. Yeah, that. yeah, but but, uh, yeah. but but we know when we fall short. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for them, for for people without faith, or without principles or values, because I think you can you can obviously have principles and values without faith. Faith helps enormously, though. Yeah. If you don't have principles or values, and you notice this, it's just about what is a good time. Yeah, pretty in much. In the moment, which is no wonder there's a lot of mental illness, right? When you, when you realize what it is to live with a purpose yeah. and to live with a principle and value, and then you meet someone who's just there, oh, it was a good time. It's quite empty and perplexing, is it not? Yeah, I can see that in a lot of my friends sometimes, which is quite upsetting, to be honest, because I care about them. But, yeah, they don't want to know, so they have to find it themselves. Have you got fellow friends and peers who are faith-based? Yes, not a lot, but I have some very close, good friends that are completely on the same page about the government, current affairs and faith and all that sort of stuff. Good for you. But they're it, not. They're down south. Oh, uh, yeah. It's surprising to me that you went to St. Bede's, ostensibly a Catholic school, and didn't find your colleagues followers of Christ. Yeah, so they have all been baptised Catholics or just to get into the school or maybe their parents were Catholic but they hadn't found their own faith um, so they were just attending to go to a good school but not many of them believed, yeah. Listeners will be sick of me um, because I have become a Christian this year. And because of because of listeners and the help of a man called Steve Oliver, who's guided me, and people's prayers, and I can't tell you how much, I'm not preachy, but I can't tell you how much it's enriched my life. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like it's just, it is so wonderful. Yeah, well, good on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, well, good on you because, um, and, um, like Jesus taught, it's never too late. Never too late. Now, you went to, uh, St. Bede's. You wanted to get into vet school. Thank goodness that you didn't. Was that because of your marks or because you're 
why do you why didn't you get into vet school because you look smart and look like you'd be a good vet yeah so i missed out um by one percent on my grades no yeah one percent i don't mean to be uh questioning but is there any of that sort of quota based uh i understand quota based sorry does it help if you were maori yes so i have a so I'm an RA here, so I have a couple first years that I look after that were in the pre-vet with me that went through the Māori Pacifica selection, got lower than the required GPA, which is the required mark, and still got let through, which is frustrating when you miss out by 1%. It's racist, right? Yep. Um, you're the first person I've met directly affected by what I call quotas or affirmative action or a race-based selection criteria. Um, you had made your mind up to be a vet and you were beaten because of your skin colour. Yeah, obviously I could have tried harder and got in, but it's uh, definitely very annoying when people get worse marks than you and take up a spot that you could have had just because you can't claim Māori heritage. I can't believe that you're so relaxed about it. I would be incandescent angry. Well, I've had my angry and upset phase and it didn't get me anywhere. Maybe no, feel worse. So I've got to just and keep I guess going. I guess, in a way, you've grown up at 22 with this as the way the world works. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm born in this modern-day era, so I don't really know any difference. I've just heard how it used to be, but still very frustrating, yeah. Because um, nothing like that existed. Yeah, well, my, my mum, and she didn't have any of that in her day when she went through selection. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just, I remember reading about it happening in the United States, and I thought, this is so nutty. And yep. I guess this was in the 80s and early 90s. And then they brought it in for, I remember, medical school. And mm. I imagine now it's comprehensive. And then in this, it was always about, oh, it's just to get in. They sit the same exams in the U.S. now. They actually have different pass rates because um, they were letting affirmative action students in who then couldn't pass, and so they had to set up different criteria so it didn't look bad. And to Thomas Sowell, a black a black academic and author who's ninety three or ninety four now, still writing, uh, he explained that when he was teaching as a professor in the sixties, that because there's so many universities and they're so hier hierarchical, black students were getting into like Harvard who would otherwise on their marks got into a local state university and actually come out with a very good degree. And in his day, they were getting into Harvard and failing. Yeah. But yeah. it's just awful, 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 awful. And it just sets, I mean, ah, oh, I just, I don't have words. Let's move on from that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know I don't have words for it because it's That's so. It's frustrating, yeah. But yeah. So you then thought, well, okay, I'll do agriculture. And by the way, I think that's a better choice. And you, you go off to university at Massey. And I know the story a little bit. What happened then? Um, what do you mean? What happened well, then? COVID, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is my first year, but I attended in 2021. Uh, so in 2021, I was studying a different degree, Bachelor of Information Sciences. Mm -hmm. But I suffered a severe head knock and had to leave university early at the end of semester one. And then I was planning on returning next year, but then came in the mandates and I was told if I couldn't supply a vaccine um, certificate in time that I would be withdrawn and not able to attend university. 
and I didn't take it, so I was withdrawn and unable to attend till now. So you missed a year because of a head injury. You missed a year because you refused the jab. Yeah. Why did you refuse the jab? Um, mum did a lot of research and said, "I love your mum." Yeah, I love my mum too. She's a pretty incredible lady. Uh, she said, "Don't make any drastic decisions. Uh, just let me have a look first, and then we'll just wait." And she, uh, she's very medically trained from vet, obviously, and understood the spike protein in the mRNA. mRNA inside the vaccine and said there's no way i'll let any of my boys have that but you dare oh, take God, it. what a great mum yeah what so, a great mum not putting that anywhere near me yeah so you was it a hard decision to take not to take the jab or you were comfortable yep. with it well i was comfortable because i was comfortable with my health but uh it was still tough uh Obviously, as a young guy, you just want to go out, socialise, go to pubs, festivals, see your mates. I lost all of that. My brother couldn't sit his licence. He couldn't go to a spearfishing nationals he'd been picked for. Um, my friends had uninvited me from events, told me I wasn't allowed to come around to their house without the vaccine as they felt unsafe. Uh, but if you took the vaccine, I thought it makes you safe. Go figure. Um and yeah i went into subway one day i've joined a control group um and i showed that card and they reported me to the police i got letters in the mailbox from the police and yeah like i missed out on a lot of stuff and i couldn't do certain jobs so i had to work on a dairy farm for 18 months um there was people wearing masks on a dairy farm no it's just ridiculous You've had uh you are in the topsy turvy world, unvaxxed Christian, twenty two years old. Pretty weird, yeah. Like you're the ultimate radical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, you're confident in yourself, though. Didn't used to be, but very confident over the last few years. Yeah. Where does that come from? Um, my father. I aspire to be like him a lot. He uh, he taught me how to control your mind. Um, got to be mentally strong and always back yourself. And I just yeah, I was like, that's a strong man, and he's it's not a long left, not a lot left these days. So yeah, yes, we're not. He, do you think he would be labelled uh, a toxic? masculinity yes most definitely and so would i at points yeah um i love what they call toxic masculinity because i regard it as chivalry yes that's what i was taught the art of manliness yeah and it was this idea that all i wanted to do was hack a dragon to death or yeah. save a damsel from a bad guy and even lay down my life for that. That's how I was brought up. And you had to be strong and tough to protect the weak and vulnerable. And it wasn't that women or girls were considered weak and vulnerable, but they were on a pedestal. Yeah. You put them on a pedestal and they were to be respected. They were to be loved. And they were to be protected at all costs. Yeah, I'm of the same belief. Yeah. Mm. And um, when I was growing up, no one thought any different. So we struggled to protect yeah. women because they were protected, it seemed to me. And nowadays, it's a strange thing that women are so disrespected by young men yeah it's really sad to see my um, god makes my they, blood sometimes yeah yeah they're commodified objectified and it's not just that they're commodified and objectified in magazines or on billboards but they're objectified and commodified in personal interaction yeah 
And it's hateful where what was such a significant and positive thing, it seemed, feminism, has ended up in terms of where women are now positioned and treated. Yeah, it's gone one step too far, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, tell me about university life for you. So it's very different to when I came in 2021. I quite enjoyed my first year. Um, like, obviously it wasn't perfect, but there's a lot more cool people, a lot more interesting people and less rules and wokeism, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, this year, I, if I didn't have to study at university to get my degree, I wouldn't be here. Don't enjoy it anymore. So because? I'm in RA, which is a residential assistant. You don't know what that is. So I live in a hostel and I look after the first years. Oh, good. Yes. 50 of them in my hall. Yes. Um, so that's a job I get paid to do. But it's uh, not what I thought at all. Um, Tell me, are you the only RA for those 50 or one of several? Uh, there's two per hall. So I've got okay. one other in my hall. Um, so, yeah, we had to come to university a month early and undergo training. Um, and that training was um, a lot of the rainbow community. We had specialists come in, teach us about rainbow community, how to deal with it. Um, the whole time I just felt pushed that, you know, straight white masculinity is wrong, that you should be more accepting and more like, yeah, I don't know the word, but. So let's say yeah. this, let's take take you back before your training. Imagine you're an RA and a gay student turns up. How would you have treated him? Totally fine, like a normal human. I have gay friends too, but it wouldn't have been pushed on me and forced, and that's how it feels now. And um, it's like that's the whole, like, university, like, that's the norm. Like, a normal person is, like, the gay or rainbow community, and we've got to attend, like, compulsory counselling meetings. I'm mentally sound. I'm fine. And when I go there, I feel like they're trying to make an issue out of nothing, make you have a mental issue, because then they get paid to do what they do. But I have nothing wrong. I don't enjoy going at all. Oh, they're counselling you? Yep. They send the RAs to compulsory counselling meetings. So you turn up and you're seeing a counsellor. Are you on your own? There's, they send you in groups. So there's about four or five per group that go. And what do you talk about? Um, well, they go around the circle, talk about problems you've had, the questions. Are very <laughs> You're a man. You don't yeah, talk I'm a about your problems. I don't have issues. I'm <laughs> no. fine. My it's God. <laughs> we hide our, hide our issues. We deal with them. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So what do guys talk about? Are you allowed to tell me or is it in confidence? Uh, I can tell you, but I can't get like, into too many details, obviously. Yeah. But, um, so... There's a few rainbow members on the team that yeah. love this. Any excuse to talk about like how average their life is, how they excluded everything. Not true, but they just love to make issues. The so they love to be a victim. Yeah, they victims. That's it. And then the counselor will ask very probing questions, try back you into being a victim. And sometimes I don't quite catch on, and they nearly get there, but I always bite back. Like no. Nah. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Well, they will have you pegged as yep. a very unhealthy guy, right? Yeah. Because so they you're think I'm the one that yeah. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and this is how often? Uh, so you have to do like five a year. So we've got one more to go. It would be hell. Yeah. I can't stand it. I had a guy come to see me when I was an MP and his wife left him and his lawyer, her lawyer told him to say that she was a, you know, beat her up and did all the stuff, right? 
And so he got kicked out of the house early on with the police and couldn't see his kids. Yeah. And then they told him that the best thing that he could do was to go along to a course on anti-violence with a counsellor, right? And he said, I'm sitting in this damn room. And he says, there's prison thugs, there's violent criminal offenders, and they're all sitting there and they're all saying how, oh, yes, they were violent and, yes, they did rape and kill, but they're okay now. And he said it would get to me, and I'd just say, look, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm just wanting <laughs> to see my kids. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And the counsellor kept going on that clearly he had issues. And the more he said that he didn't have issues, the more she said that he did. And he said, the only time I've ever felt violent in my life was in this group because yeah. they kept going on how I was not opening up to my violence and he failed the course while all these ex-cons sailed through because they knew what to say Jeez. and yeah. it was like this um kafkaesque sort of um trial that they put you through mm -hmm. tell me about the course you had as an ra for the month so yeah we did a training course at the start uh, i've got a couple of notes i'll just bring it up uh oh yep so that's another thing before even attending the university even getting here this first year i was asked to supply my pronouns um i said i don't do pronouns that's <laughs> oh, I'm jack marshall lee i don't have pronouns i'm a male they, the, the, the clue is in the name yeah, like that's my name. Put that on my door, thank you. Not my pronouns. I don't have any. Uh, instantly got blacklisted. They thought, you know, like, oh, this guy's whack. And they put me down as a woman hater and stuff. Um, um, and we got um, we got training on sexual and mental health, dealing with the rainbow community. What is sexual health? Do you know? Um. Well, supposedly I should know after being trained on it, but I left it feeling very confused and that you should question your gender and there's multiple and I, yeah. Not oh, so sexual health is gender ideology. It's not how to avoid getting syphilis well, or something. Apparently these days it is. I thought it was, that's what sexual health should be, but now it's gender focused. Wow, because sexual health when they went to university was how to avoid sexually transmitted diseases, which yep. is to not have sex. And um, the other thing was to avoid pregnancy. And now sexual health is being open to the possibility that you're on a gender spectrum. Yeah. Obviously, I don't believe in that at all. But, uh, no. um, yeah. That's there was no mention of how to avoid pregnancy or STIs. It was all gender focused. How interesting. Yeah. And the people that were presenting this, were they a little odd? Yes. Uh some, I'm not gonna lie, don't mean to offend anyone. I couldn't tell what they were. And that's quite concerning sometimes. I had these people turn up to my children's inside out turned up to my daughter's primary school and without parents knowledge had two hours of compulsory school time with my daughter teaching them i guess sexual health but it was gender ideology yeah mm -hmm. and my daughter couldn't tell what they were she yeah. described she described them to me at 11 as trans and lesbos which um, I don't think she passed the course. Yeah, and make an RA either. But this is shocking. Yeah, and you had must have if it was a month, you must have had hours of this stuff every day, Monday to Friday, nine to three. Did my head in, nearly drove me mad. What else did you cover? um so I, i've everything i've put in here is what we covered we just like did lots of it like it's just you forced. can't do you can't do an hour on that stuff 
Oh, we did days on that. It was just ridiculous. And no, no, was, tell me you can't do days on that. You can't do days on this. It is not. What could you say after pronouns? There are 72 plus genders. Here's the list. A lot of it was like how to apply it to your um, residents once they arrive. So it was learning and then going through scenarios like Johnny turns up and he's not sure he's a male. What do you do? <laughs> and what do you do? Well, I just say, mate, you're a male. But, uh, you know, that's not yeah. what you're to say. Uh, you go, um, we can refer you to a counsellor. It's okay to feel unsure, Johnny. There's ways to deal with this. We can help you figure out what you want to be. There's no straight answer. You can be confused as you like. Because I imagine to suggest that you're a male is dangerously it's potentially offensive. illegal because it's yeah. well, offensive, but also that gay conversion bill act legislation, right? Well, we're told we're not allowed to say anything like that. Yeah. Have you had anyone turn up confused? Oh, multiple um i've got a no little story for you if you want no have you had people turn up to university not knowing whether they're a boy or a girl yes and i've not been allowed to deal with them because i'm like the only straight male on the team and they know i just cut straight through it so i've turned up to university i'm what 18 and i go to my advisor and I say, you know, mate, I can't conceive of this. I think I could be a girl. Yep. And that happens. That happens, unfortunately. And the training then is to do what? Well, to not, first of all, not give them a straight answer, just understand, listen and then refer to someone more experienced, which is like our counsellors or our boss. And then I don't know what happens from there. They handle it. You said you had a case that you wanted to share or some incident you wanted There's to not quite specific Johnny no. turning up at all, but it's quite along the lines of that. So during that training that month, we hosted the Wellington RA team to train with us as well for a week. And what I thought was a female, still unsure to this day, asked me where the toilets were. And I said, the female toilets are that way, other toilets over there. And she instantly bit down my throat, like, how dare you assume my gender? Who do you think you are? Don't you dare talk to me like that again? And stormed off. And to this day, I'm still unsure what she is. Clearly a girl to me, but apparently not. So. They are looking to take offence. They want to be a victim and they want to not tell you what they are. They want you to just not assume and not, yeah, they just want and to And this a was a fellow student. She was a student at university. This was a, yes, this is an RA, so they'd be like a second-year student at Wellington University. Okay. So... If someone of indeterminate sex approaches me at university and says, where are the toilets, what's the correct answer? You'd say toilets are this way, and you don't say which ones are in which direction. You let them figure out which one they want to go to. But let's say the male ones are to my left. Yeah. And the female ones are to my right. I can't say the toilets are this way and point both directions, can I? You just have to go toilets are that way. Be very good. <laughs> and I can figure it out. Because you've waved your arms around in a 360 degree fashion. Yeah. <laughs> but you you gave this fellow student the two options that normally exist for toilets. Exactly. Clear directions so they don't get lost and then they could figure out which one they want to be. But And you didn't assume that she was one or the other? I said first the girl ones are that way because that's what I thought, but then boys are also that way, you know? She can make her own decision, but she wouldn't let me finish the sentence and snap me up straight away. 
I got to say, Jack, you do look a bit Christian conservative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got that muscularity, you've got that um, sharp jaw, you've got the short haircut. Yeah, you're very white. And yeah. I think you would be someone they could safely assume I can wind this person up and be offended and take it all away to the vice chancellor and the human rights commission and onto the UN. Yes, and they can definitely wind me right up. Yep. Oh. What do they think of you at the university? So um my boss from my reference thought i hated women and blacklisted me pretty much so when i got here um how do you mean from your reference so you have to give a reference for the job and i gave my boss from the dairy farm you said yeah jack's like a hard worker doesn't take nonsense da 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 didn't work well under his female boss but that was because she didn't know how to farm not because she's a female and then instantly she takes that, oh, Jack hates women. Okay. So we have to do rounds on drinking night, like duty. It's part of the job. And my boss shadowed me on my shift, and that has never happened in history. So and what is this on um, what night is it drinking night? The drinking nights are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from seven to ten PM. What's a and drinking night? You could go drinking. Yeah, so you can't drink on campus outside of those nights. You can drink okay. on campus at those times. Yeah. And so the RAs have to, about four RAs per night, have to split up and do rounds just to make sure no one's dead. Or, you know, yeah. I don't even fully believe we should do rounds. We should let them just have fun, but we baby yeah. them. And so they're at the university bar? Uh, no, just we have, like, communal halls or areas where they can just bring alcohol and drink okay play music and you wander around there checking that no one's overindulged or vomited and passed out or being yep. assaulted yeah that's it and for that you needed to be shadowed yeah i was the only one it's never happened in history before and i was the only one that night that was shadowed and the whole night and i wasn't told why i was just told don't want, don't question it. But I have a friend who's slightly higher up in the chain than me, and she gives me a bit of inside information, which is very lucky. And what was the goss? Uh, she said, well, she thought you're a woman hater. She thought you might just go ballistic on duty. She wasn't sure how you'd handle situations. You thought you just might blow up and not be safe around first years. Um so, yeah, I was quite shocked to hear that. It must be it must be disturbing. I can't imagine it to be a good person working hard to be a better person, yeah, and to have a label attached to you that sort of sees you as a person that needs to be watched as what? Potentially aggressive? Yeah. And I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, but I'm probably the most attractive one on the team, so I get a lot of attention from the first-year females especially. Oh, and I can imagine that. So when they come up, just being cheerful, happy, you want to have a yarn, which is totally fine, I'd yarn back, but nothing more than that. I instantly get split up, told to head that direction, not to speak to any females for the rest of the night. Do you think these young women, gosh, I don't know how to phrase that, they're not looking for an androgynous male, they're looking for a real male? Yeah, that's what I think. And, you yeah, know, just, yeah. Because that's Cause biology, that's right? That's history. That's how attraction works, you know? That's Bible. That's like, yeah. you know, um, of the people at university in those first years, are there many, do you know, would you guess, 
hypothesize how many are LGBTQ plus? So there's a dining hall where we all go and have dinner. Um, and I'd say of the sort of 100 that I see at a time in there, good 40%. I'm very confused at what they are or there's like colored hair or clearly LGB, you know, not a straight male, not a straight female, just 40%. Yeah, I'd say about 40%. And how do the pronouns work in practice? So I've been told off multiple times because we have, so I'll give another example. We have one male on the team who his pronouns are he, they, um, and he doesn't like to be called him because he's not sure if he's a boy. And I didn't know this, so I always just go, g'day, mate, or refer to him as a bloke, call like him, he, when I'm referring to him in other contexts. And all the other members tell me off that, you can't refer to him like that. He doesn't feel comfortable, but he's never had the balls to come up to me and tell me otherwise. So until he does, he's a bloke. I'll refer to him as a bloke. So it's interesting. You can be a he, they. So for he, they. And like, I don't understand how that works. Apparently, Because I would have thought you'd be a feeling. he, a he, yeah. him, or them, they. I read. I was reading the stuff newspaper, and they were doing this they them business on an article, and I couldn't make head nor tail what they were talking about because the they and them was so confusing that you didn't know who was being referred to. It was utterly confusing. So he is the only one with an odd pronoun that you deal with on my RA team, but there's lots of. Uh, residents that have very different pronouns that I just don't even begin to fathom or refer to them as their pronouns. I just let it blow in my head and try not to get too upset. Um, the foot when you say that forty percent are into uh, what's the phrase non-binary? Yeah, my daughter at twelve thinks there's twenty percent in her year that are non-binary. Mm-hmm. So they recruit a bit more, get to university, a bit more out there, university, there's 40%. Well, at university, our bosses told us this is a time when people can experiment and find themselves for who they fully are. So I think that sort of influence allows a lot greater percentage to be unsure. Yeah. Um, and being from a farm, being a person who respects the truth and being a Christian, this is against your deepest understanding of the world and of how to live me it goes against everything i believe and it's wrong and i'm told to just that i'm wrong and stop being so stuck up and arrogant and get on with it do the other students do you think particularly the other ra's do they just think it's bullshit and go along with it or do they believe it 80 percent believe it uh wow. other indifferent, like, doesn't affect me, can't really see anything negative with it, we'll just be accepting. And then I'm like the 5% that is radical and thinks it's seriously wrong. Do you think you have a future as an RA? No, I've not been invited back. They've already done um, applications for the next year and they've invited who they want back from this year's team. I have not received one. I'm not welcome back. So that affects you financially? Yes. If I wanted to save money again and do this job, I now can't. Are you going to continue with your studies nonetheless? I will continue with studies next year, yes. You're the 5%. Yeah. That's like, how many years back do you think you'd need to go to be the 
more than two. Um, oh, not I, that, even that. Like 10 years, right? You'd definitely be in the 95%. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. That's how quick and radical it's been, isn't it? It's been yeah. a complete clean sweep. So, like, in 2021, my first year, I'd say, like, 80, 90% of my mates were like me, you know, just, oh, let's have fun, we're a bloke, let's go out, rah, rah, rah. And now it's completely changed in two years. Have you a girlfriend? I do, yes. If she has similar views to you? Not 100%, but she's very open to it, and she does have similar views, yes, and she's very interested in it, which is very cool. Is dating at university, I mean, it's good to have a girlfriend, so you're on the same wavelength, but when I went to university, dating was free and easy and fluid. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. you got people would go through lots of boyfriends, lots of girlfriends potentially, and a lot of sexual experimentation. When I went to university, not me, of course, but that must be a fraught business with consent and being careful about allegations made is that do people feel that i can't confidently answer that i feel like there's definitely a lot more nervousness and pressure around i know a couple first years that have had allegations against them that haven't been proven either way but my belief is that it's completely false and it's a real shame to see that that this has changed their life and they have to have these allegations made about them yeah, so you're quite lucky to have a steady girlfriend because it, hopefully that overcomes that. Yeah. Um, what do you see when you look around the campus, the professors, your bosses? What do you see in the next five years happening? I see, I won't be here to experience that because I would go crazy. Um, but I see crash, like the university's already dying. Like they've had to do big cuts, cut budgets, change things a lot. Um, I look around campus and I feel lost. I don't see f like a lot of healthy people. I see a lot of sad people. I see a lot of weird people. I don't see lots of young people together having fun. And I've experienced, mum and dad have told me how uni was in their day, and it's nothing like that. I think it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. I think university will change drastically in the next five years. I um, have observed that people that choose a, what I'd call a heterodox lifestyle, appear oftentimes. Clearly there are true lesbians and true homosexuals and clearly there are true transvestites. Yeah, there are, and I have friends that are. Yep. Yeah. And, um, but I think the blow-up of it has led to a joylessness in terms of living. Yeah. And I mean, for me, the example was Carrie Allen. You may not know of her. No. But she, she was a minister in this government who had to resign. And she was always having multiple lesbian partners and having surrogate children. And it was always written up in the magazines as, oh, how wonderful it is. And she's a lesbian. And there are two mums. And how wonderful and all it is. But then next thing is they're coming out and they're depressed and they're mentally ill and they're on medication. And you sort of think, yeah, well, I can imagine that mm -hmm. because it's not, it's not joyful. It's not exciting. It's not, they seem to be doing it in a performative way, if you know what I mean. I mean, in the old days to me, for you two years ago, homosexuals were genuine. 
Yeah, they were. You know, yeah. lesbians were genuinely lesbians, and it was they could have a joyful life. But th- these ones now, it seems to me like I've chosen this to be cool or something, and it just seems unhappy. And then on top of that, Jack, I'm guessing that there can't be a lot of fun on campus because you have to be so very careful. Yeah. What you say and do. Yeah. Definitely. Do you find yourself having to engage your brain before you open your mouth to check that you're not saying sending someone to the wrong toilet? Yes. Way too much now than I think I should ever have to. Because um, you can't crack a joke. There'd be no jokes being cracked, right? No. Depends what crowd you're around. There's still some I've still got mates that, yeah, we joke about it. It's good fun. But more often than not, the social setting I'm in, I'll say what I want to say. And of course, if you're a lefty and you're in on it, the mores today may not be the mores tomorrow. And you have to be constantly checking that you're in well, you know, you're not saying something forbidden. Or doing yeah. something that's considered offensive. It's it's like it must be extremely hard. Yeah. So I just I find it very frustrating at university because I feel like I can't have the conversations I want to have, speak my mind all the time. There are still certain people I can do that with, but when I go home it's refreshing. Say what I want. I so you just... couldn't be sitting in a group or in a class and put your hand up and say, look, I think this transgenderism has gone way over the edge. And um, the very idea that uh, a a man can be a woman and have all the privileges of a woman, including access to a woman's toilet and women's sports, I think that is wrong for these reasons. And you couldn't put your hand up and say that. No, I'd be told off if I did that in my job. I would be then probably sent in for meetings with my boss and to more counselling, and I could not do that. So I don't want to say what I want to say. This is like something out of uh, a Chinese re-education system. Yeah. It feels like a dictatorship, and they're all about being accepting and welcoming, but they're very much... You can be accepting and welcoming how we decide. And if you speak your mind, it's not okay. Another thing you notice is there's not a argument underpinning it. It's just a threat of yep. underpinning it. Like, I'll cost you your job. We're supposed to be a democracy. It's supposed to be free speech. And the university, I feel like that's the f- peak of it where we're young minds we should be taught to challenge things and do your own research don't believe everything you're told but there's not a platform to do that tell me jack do your mum and dad worry about you um about this yeah i'm not sure if mum worries about me she's very good at like just not showing her emotion and supporting me uh dad's always worried about me yeah because I worry about my kids because I'm bringing them up like you were brought up. Yeah. And I wonder if I'm bringing them up to live a true life and a happy life and a joyful life and to have all the pleasure of, you know, marriage and children and work and producing all the wonderful things. And I tell them, that for them, school is often a toxic place where they're getting taught toxic ideas and they've got to be aware of that. Yeah. And that there's a toxicity out there. And I worry that they're always going to be on the edge. Like, you can't do any other way because you've got to live true, right? You've got to bring your kids up with the truth. And so I never hesitate. It's like you, I never hesitate. Yeah. But I think, oh, my goodness. Um, like, none of my children want to go to university. Yeah, none of my brothers want to go. And so your goal is get your degree and get out. Yeah, I don't enjoy my time here anymore. It's very much a means of necessity. 
And then what do you want to do, Jack? I've always been eternally frustrated with what I want to do. I've not really found it, but I... Oh, well, join the club. I'm still looking, but I must admit I'm enjoying yep. being an RCR host. Yeah, well, yes, it's I know. Cool. I know what you mean. Uh, but, yep. but don't worry, because I'm now 66. I think I'm 67 this year, and I'm still searching for what I want to be. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It was never clear. It's never been, oh, this is my thing. And look, I've enjoyed every job I've done, but it's not like this is me. I do, I have to say, I walked into Parliament and I thought, oh, wow, this is where I'm meant to be. I just, <laughs> you know, I loved that. And I loved being a university lecturer and I loved working in business. I loved all my jobs. I loved working on the North Sea oil rigs. I loved driving trucks. I loved it all. But it's not like oh. I had this revelation this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be this for 40 years. And I don't know. I've just never – I'm a bit of a gypsy too where I live. I move. Um, yeah. So don't feel bad about that. It's a bit tough when you say to kids at 15, what are you going to be? And you think, I don't know. That's been me. And I'm still that way, and I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy in that. Yeah, some people are lucky, like mum, since the age of eight, knew she wanted to be a vet, did it straight away. My brother knew he wanted to be a diver and he's just gone and done it. But my father and I just no idea and just keep going. Keep going. And you know what? There's a path. Yeah. So there's a wonderful path. And you'll pick your way along it. And for some people it's straight and that's wonderful. And for other people, there are a lot of detours. Yeah. And surprises. And I can't imagine living a straight path. No, like I know what general direction I want to go and uh, following what I'm doing, but I don't have you want to like, be a farmer. Yeah, that's why I would not mind being a farmer. I've done a lot of dairy farming to see if I'd enjoy it. And I love working with animals, I love working on the land. So, if I could own a farm, I'd snap that up. Wouldn't that be something? Well, you will, yeah, you will. You set that as your goal, and you will. Yep. And the thing is. That is the greatest thing on earth. And, of course, I think that's why not only do they have to be down on men and they have to be down on women, and when I say they, I mean those people amongst us who want to boss the rest of us around and tell us what to do, they want to keep the population weak so they introduce things like welfare, yeah. they introduce things like free this and free that and we all doll it out. They have to get rid of the family because the family's strong. Yeah, as soon as you break a family, there's no yeah. strength. Yeah. You gotta you gotta do away with religion because religion is stronger than a government. And then you have to break the farmers and yeah. small business. You have to break them. Because then we just become aut autonomous individuals without anything to fall back on and with no purpose or faith. We just want to be happy. And we look to government to supply it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what reading you've done, but are you talking about the top 1%, like the elite of the elite? Like, I don't know. Don't I know. sometimes I sometimes think of it as the top 1%, but I think that there are just, there are people amongst us, like I'm a libertarian and I just want to have live my life and have people live their life. And that would be my aspiration. But I noticed that, that when I was in politics and parliament, there were people that just wanted to tell everyone else what to do. Yeah. And they'd latch on every cause like climate change or COVID. Mm -hmm. And they didn't care less about the science. They didn't care less about whether it was a crisis or not. They just saw it as another opportunity to grab so that control. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a lot of people and a lot of rich people when they get rich yeah i've noticed a lot of very rich people once i've made that money they then hanker for power because it's what they haven't got yes and um so i think it's attractive to a lot of people and of course they're the people that are attracted into politics and into the bureaucracy yeah and um the people that yeah. want to live a life are attracted into trades uh, into farming and of course if you're 
working as a producer in business or farming, you can't help but be humble. Yeah. Because yep. constant, constantly you're reminded of what you don't know. Yep. And constantly you're reminded of what can go wrong. And when things go right, you're very conscious of your good fortune, not yeah. just your ability. Yeah. Whereas if you're a bureaucrat or a politician, you are rewarded for being arrogant. Yeah. And there's no need for any humility because you're the boss of the boss. Yeah, you don't answer to anyone except no. so. Yeah. And they can't, they never need except no politician's ever been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Marshall Lee. Oh, my goodness. You are truly wonderful to come on our show. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on Radio. Your mum and dad should be extremely proud of you. I know I would be if you were my son because you're such a fine man. Not only are you, are you intelligent and with a deep understanding of the world around you, you're extremely brave. Thank you. Because you stick with your principles and your values. And I have to say, when you're 22, that must be extremely tough, which just means that you're brave and strong. It's been a pleasure to have you on, Jack. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, Rodney. It's refreshing to talk to someone like you. Oh, well, there you go. Jack Marshall Lee, doesn't he make your, doesn't he seem to tingle down your spine? Because that's our future right there. And this is going to be the people in the future that will lead us out of our cultural morass and our purposelessness and our lack of direction. And he might lead us out because of his farming ability, because of his business nows, because of his religious insight, because of his political achievements. But you know that this is the future of our renaissance. So we're very lucky to have Jack on. You're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Please send me a text, 2057. Email me at inbox at realitycheck.radio. I'd love to know what you make of Jack and what you make of university life. It was a great insight. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.